like to talk to you. Pete also wanted to know, who were these people? And Tim had the answer. Did you ever think, Pete, you know, singing that song at any point that maybe someday someone would answer, answer that, who are these friends? No. And you took it on as a job that God would want done. <laughs> Tim wound up meeting Pete in person, where he told him the names of the 28 passengers. And then, in commemoration, Pete played deportee playing Wreck at Los Gatos. Goodbye to my Juan. Goodbye, Rosalita. Adios, mis amigos. Jesus. Tim wouldn't know it, but this would be the last time Pete would sing the song. He died a few months later. And those friends who were scattered like dry leaves had all been memorialized together in the end. The headstone also included the names of the four American crew members, because as Tim saw it, leaving them out would be perpetuating the same kind of omission, that erasure that started all of this in the first place. And since Tim had been in touch with the American families for a while, they were able to travel to Fresno and attend the ceremony at Holy Cross Cemetery. Jaime was there too, and at one point, a brown SUV pulled up and Jaime's brother Guillermo got out. He opened the door and helped his 77-year-old mother, Caritina Paredes Murillo, step out. She was a kid when her father died in the crash. My mother also, I think she said that she felt like uh, she was in the actual burying or ceremony. From oh, because she never got to do an actual funeral. So yes. for her, this was really the yeah. first, as if it was happening like, decades ago. Yes, yeah. she felt like that, like she was burying her father. And when you're standing here right now, what are you thinking no, about? <laughs> muy contento, I had to say in Spanish. Muy contento porque se les está dando un reconocimiento a ellos que nadie siquiera se los, se los, se los hizo. He's happy that there's recognition and honoring of them, finally, in this community at least, because they didn't really get any recognition or anything anywhere else. Años tuvieron en la oscuridad, se le puede llamar. They were in darkness, you could say. In the, sh in the shadows almost. In, right? Yes, yeah. in the shadows. And I'll never forget when we asked her, you know, how do you feel, Caritina? And she said, well, I, I'm crying and I don't know if they're tears of joy or tears of pain, you know. After hearing the deportee song play a few times during the ceremony, the Ramirez family requested that mariachis play Mexico Lindo y Querido. Mexico Lindo y Querido. <laughs> si muero lejos de ti. Que digan que estoy dormido y que me, y que me traigan. The song lyrics say, My dear and beautiful Mexico, if I die far away from you, say that I'm sleeping so they can bring me back to you. Mexico 
After meeting with Jaime's family, Tim continued traveling in Mexico and the U.S. trying to answer Woody Guthrie's question, who are these friends? And as of today, Tim has been able to connect with the relatives of six of the 28 Mexican passengers. So he's still searching. As a chair of the California Latino Legislative Caucus, I rise to recognize a tragic incident that occurred 70 years ago. Two weeks ago, on the 70th anniversary of the crash, the California State Senate held an emotional ceremony to formally recognize, for the first time in history, the 28 Mexican victims of the plane crash. Senator Ben Hueso stood next to Jaime and other surviving family members as they held photos of their relatives. And the Senate didn't forget to honor the man who spent seven years of his life making this all possible. Tim Hernandez did the work that the government should have done. But 70 years later, they will be remembered as a valued part of the history of our state. This story was produced by me, Fernanda Chavarri, and Maggie Freeling. It was edited by Nadia Raymond. The Latino USA team includes Marlon Bishop, Andres Caballero, Antonia Cerejido, Jeannie Montalvo, Janice Yamoka, and Sayer Quevedo. Our engineer and music editor is Cornelius McMoyler. Our production manager is Natalia Fiedelholtz. Our interns are Stephanie Cano and Reese Williams. Special thanks to Tim Hernandez. His book, All They Will Call You, is out now. Our theme music was...
strike right wing death squad democracy. Please take Iran, Nicaragua yesterday. They say fair free government keep the secret police off of me. Red Babel Tower. Jesus Christ was spotless but was crucified by the mob. Law and order, Herod's hired soldiers did the job. Flower power's fine, but innocence has got no protection. A man who shot John Lennon had a hero worshippers connection. The song is that the world is in a horrible place. Scientific industry devours the human race. Police in every country armed with tear gas and TV. Secret masters everywhere bureaucratized for you and me. Terrorists and police together build the lower class rage. Propaganda, murder, manipulate the upper-class stage. Can't tell the difference between a turkey and a provocateur. If you're feeling confused, the government's in there for sure.
Got it all wrong, so I come to you with a song. In 1810, con el gran grito de pasión, se levantaron con razón. Black and brown fighting together on the day I'll always remember. In el 5 de mayo, con el grito de gallo, black, white, and brown bleeding together on the day I'll always remember. 
hasn't been that long, so just in case Cat Williams had you guessing, let me kick y'all down with a little history lesson. In the 19th century, while the U.S. promoted degradation, annihilation with its military and U.S. Navy, Mexico got rid of the caste system, voted for its first indigenous president, even getting rid of legalized slavery. Railroad also ran south, which led black folks to freedom with Mexico right there to receive them. In 1910, it was Mexican men with Pancho Villa and Zapata fighting for tierra, libertad, y techo, with Adelitas on the front line with bullets across their pecho. In the year 1946, it was the Mendez family that fought against segregation in schools, because before that, they treated us like fools us out into gangs, wars, and drugs, and then they get pissed off at us when we become crips and bloods, traviesos, zutsuras, pachucos, folkloristas, punks, bomberas, haraneras in the heat, haraneras with the bomb as beats, talking about what's really going on in the streets. In the 60s, in the streets of Oakland, California, Black Panthers organized for answers. Young lords in New York fought against wars. The Stonewall Rebellion remained true for the rights of the LGBTQ. AIM, who was down for native rights with no shame in their game. Brown Berets in LA learning how to fight and doing what's right. In the Campos of California, Filipinos were the first ones to lay down the boycott. Screaming in solidarity, Isang Baksak. One rise, one fall. You come for one, you come for all. Today, Arizona and Alabama, they don't play. Carving out racist laws like it's made out of clay. I stand with Emmett, Trayvon, Oscar, and Bell. With my mentor, Mumia, up in the cell. Telling you I'd rather be blind than to stay quiet on a day while my people are hunt down like prey. ability to breathe is directly connected to my ability to see it's not about me never was never will be it's about we it's time to move y'all it's movement time nice set there these sets today are very eclectic Taken little from everywhere. <clears throat> that last one was Las Cafeteras with a condensed version of uh, U.S. history, U.S. and Mexican history. And <clears throat> the admonition that it's movement time. Don't stand still. Taj Mahal was next with I Pity the Poor Immigrant song that so for me encapsulates the belief systems of the people who not only the people who voted for Trump but the people who have remained faithful to him as he exposes himself as well I can't say the word on the air but I would say a traitor to American democracy we'll see I doubt that'll ever be uh, be stated or adjudicated. And uh, Allen Ginsberg was before that with his Capital Air. And he did some recordings like that, sort of uh, out loud poetry with uh, 
become petty. set of uh, poetry along with rock and roll music. I'm going to play something special now. This is called Working. And it's a musical presentation based on a book by Studs Terkel, a Chicago journalist and uh, leftist wrote about working. He wrote a book called Working, which he interviewed people about their jobs, about their work. Let's see if we can play some of it here for you. Take it for you. Working by Stephen Schwartz and Nina Fazzo. From the book by Studs Terkel, with songs by Craig Carnelia, Mickey Grant, Mary Rogers, Susan Birkenhead, Stephen Schwartz, and James Taylor. Recorded before an audience. LA Theatre Works is proud to present the first revised and updated version of this 1970s popular classic. Based on Studs Terkel's amazing book about everyday exertion and everyday people, working is for anyone who has ever punched a clock a cow or a supervisor or wanted to and now working Documentaries, won't you come and ask me, please? 
and pay me a million dollars to tell you what I do at the store. Cause if you pay me a million dollars, I wouldn't gotta go and do it no more. One, two, three, four. Just like the song said, all the live long day. Everybody that I know that song, working for a living the whole day long, all the live long day. Hey, somebody, won't you tell me? Somebody, don't you want to hear story of my life? One of them movie companies, TV documentaries. Won't you come and ask me? Please? Typically in the morning, you wait at the shanty till 7 o'clock. You go in at 7. You start walking your way up the ladder, climbing up the steel. Every two floors, you plank it off. Then you disconnect the bottom of the mast and you tie it to the boom on top of the choking cable. You get a heavy block on the job, probably weighs 200, 250 pounds, something like that. I started when I was 18 years old working structural steel. I worked on towers probably 120, 130 feet high. One of the things they say about somebody with an inferiority complex is, they're afraid of heights. So automatically, every iron worker's got an ego. <laughs> You're doing something that somebody else can't do. And you wear a tool belt. You know, when you're a kid 18 years old and you have wrenches in like a holster, you're like a cowboy, a sailor. If I put a two by four on the four, I couldn't knock you off with a stick. But if I put it up 50 feet, and a little gust of wind comes, and you overreact, you end up falling off. That's why most iron workers start off as kids. When you're 18 and just out of school, the guy next to you walks the beam, you're gonna try and walk the beam too. 
Iron workers very, very rarely fall in the hole. That's what our term is. If somebody falls off a building, they fell in the hole. We talk a lot about it among ourselves. You iron work long enough, you're going to get some real scares. I notice myself, I get a copper taste. You know, when you put a penny in your mouth when you were a kid, you know that taste? It's a taste of fear, I guess. As you get older, you reconcile yourself to the fact that it's easier to drop down and coon across the beam, we call it. It's easier, but you lose all the hair on the inside of your legs. You can always tell an iron worker because they don't have any hair on the inside of their legs. <laughs> Another bad thing. Up here, we don't have any outhouses or anything, so we got to piss in the columns. Everybody's always drunk the night before, so they're always expelling themselves down these columns. But the problem with that is that eventually something's going to happen where you're going to have to work down below. <laughs> yeah, and the worst thing in the world is you have to burn something down there, you know? It's, it's like cooking a toilet. But I always knew I was going to be an iron worker. My older brothers were iron workers. My father was an iron worker. So it was a natural course of events. My father was very disappointed I didn't go to college. We had a college boy at work this summer. One time he saw a book in the back of my pocket. He was amazed. He says to me, you read? <laughs> That's what can get to you sometimes, you know, the non-recognition by other people. To say a man is just a laborer, a woman is just a housewife, it bothers you sometimes. Sometimes, some mornings, I look across the skyline for a building I worked on, say, uh, that office building right there. And I look down and I can see a big fancy car pulling into the parking garage I built. All right, that was a couple of cuts from from a uh, presentation, musical actually, by based on the story by Studs Terkel called Working. And uh, first we heard uh, Hear America Singing, words by Walt Whitman. And second was Iron Worker Monologue, guy talking about working 130, 140 feet up in the air and how uh, iron workers don't fall. <laughs> He said, uh, people with inferiority complexes <coughs> are afraid of heights. Well, that's me. <laughs> I was looking for some information, uh, writing a piece about early teacher organizing, sort of pre-teachers union uh, efforts to organize teachers. And I ran into this anti-union uh, I ran into this anti-union website which was talking about the scandals, union leadership. And they had three different cases of union officials who had absconded with funds. I think one was 400000 the other was 800000 the others were smaller than those. And... Uh, sort of reproducing that these union union uh, officials had taken money from their membership. A terrible thing, by the way. Certainly not meant to 
to allow that to happen or excuse that. But it reminded me of several similar scandals, similar in some ways, dissimilar in others. For example, the VW Corporation and other auto manufacturers who were caught um, uh, rigging the ratings for gas mileage. In other words, claiming that the gas mileage in their cars was much higher than it really was. Plus the fact that they knew that the gas mileage wasn't that high, but continued to lie about it, even um, adjusted the, the testing devices so the mileage came out higher and the pollution index was much lower than actual. What about Wells Fargo, a $4 billion scandal there, where Wells Fargo, uh, Wells Fargo workers were encouraged to open bogus bank accounts that, that customers hadn't even asked for and then charging them fees on those accounts. And though there were workers who were doing it, the culpability was traced back up to executive vice presidents of Wells Fargo and it was found that the company had profited to the tune of four billion dollars. What about Jamie Dimon, a banking executive, sort of a, for a while there he was kind of like the new whiz kid uh, bank president. He was articulate, he was cute, he was a uh, sort of playful, had a sense of humor. Diamond one year reported that he had lost, they didn't know where $6 billion had gone. And his statement to the congressional committee that was investigating the, uh, the whole affair was, we just don't know where the money is. $6 billion now. Recently, the Congressional Budget Office estimated that the Pentagon had disappeared $1 trillion. There was $1 trillion that the Pentagon, in the Pentagon's budget that was lost over a 20, 25-year period. $1 trillion. And all the fuss and feathers about offshore accounts which companies move money to offshore places to avoid taxes. If you and I do it it's tax evasion and it's a bust a major bust. If they do it it's called tax avoidance it's called using the tax code to your advantage. That was estimated at 20 trillion now, the Trump administration has bragged about getting some of that money back by, by how? By gifting those corporations with lower tax rates if they'll return the money to the U.S. So while I am definitely upset about union, union officials absconding with uh, their members' money, 
how how upset are these anti-union websites with the theft of 20 trillion, 1 trillion, 6 billion, 4 billion. God knows how much the VW scandal costs. And it's not like these are isolated incidents. They come by all the time. I remember one day in the in the early 2000s when the California State Teachers Retirement System in the blink of an eye lost value to the tune of $500 million, half a billion dollars because Enron had been reporting success, success, keeping its stock price high and on that day the stock price had collapsed leaving the California State Retirement System half a billion dollars poorer. I don't know. It's a matter of, of who's really stealing you? Who's got their hand in your pocket? Really? Really? Unions? Hardly. The problem is much higher up within our government and corporate structure. Okay, we got about 10 minutes to go here. I wanted to play some Albert Collins. Rediscovered Albert Collins this week. Uh, There's his theme song called Frosty.
speak of so many things and making a kind of a variety of the program okay it requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about one of them frosty and when you think about song the various nations of the earth and the second there was ice pick Collins was for many years, although a master of the blues guitar, especially all over the world, Stratocaster, master of the Stratocaster, we have been able to make <clears throat> anything that we want to make. Worked, and do anything we want to do. Uh, <clears throat> laboring jobs to support himself. And at one point, he, one point he was called in to work on a laboring job but it don't make at sense. a house where. Uh, Neil Diamond lived. <coughs> so working, working class guy, working for a superstar. From every nation in the world. We'll make all a nice the little story about that. Anyway, this is the B. Remember, one person gets a dollar they didn't work for. Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Remember, please, that if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. Have to worry about Finally, him. never but never let anyone in. But it don't heart. make sense. He's not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean. It don't make sense. This is signing off, labor and love, where the labor it meets the road. Sense. See you in two weeks. No show when next you week. and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. 
From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Mr. Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. 
and the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot a bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Hey, people, this is the Flat Black Plastic Show on MutinyRadio.fm down at 21st of Florida in the heart of the sunny mission. Enjoy. Thank <laughs> you. 
Michael Spiegelman, wow, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube, Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Hi. great to be here Oh, San Francisco. (laughs) Around the world. Uh, We are here at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Uh, Carl is at home in New Jersey. He is a tri-state comedian, and we do this show every week. We watch a full-length movie with you. And we've done this for over four years. We have about 200 episodes. If you want, if you have some time at home, check us out. Go to pcrcollective.org, hit podcast archives, and look for L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That is also the name of our podcast. If you want to subscribe to our RSS feed on your podcast app. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube as well as L-W-A-F-L-M-Y-T on YouTube. Wait, wait, wait. That was what you were saying again? Uh, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T on Twitter. Perfect. Perfect. So what, and we're also on Twitch with the same 
initials, and uh, we are here. We do the show every Sunday, every Sunday at 2 p.m. And if we don't do it uh, on Muni Radio next week, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or everything we mentioned, including our Blogspot page. We'll tell you where we are. So hang tight. We're here. Right? Uh, kind of. We okay. are definitely doing it from Muni Radio next week. Oh, I'm going to cover it. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Carl. <laughs> now, flights are so cheap, I could come to you. Yeah, you could fly over. That would be great. Let's see. If I fly Friday the 2nd, return home the 23rd and the 3rd, and uh, my prices are the lowest. Yeah? How is the price of the lowest? Yeah, oh, it's $200. Hey, you know, the prices are so $150 low. $150. Have you thought about <laughs> taking an Amtrak over here? Yeah, really. Or a Greyhound. Greyhound must be really cheap. No, but $160 is Greyhound flight service. Well, you should take the bus over. But in the meanwhile, we are here uh, with you live, and we are going to watch a full-length movie. Carl, what is the movie today? Today we're watching Swap Meet, 1979. Swap Meet. Swap. S-W-A-P-M-E-E-T, 1979. Okay. All right. We'll tease the channel Nothing. It's trick by trick with an L at the end, tricko, uh-huh. and then the word nothing. Don't put nothing. The word nothing. That was my old nickname because I used to go to prostitutes mm-hmm. so many times. They uh-huh. used to call me tricko, and I never tipped. <laughs> <laughs> and tricko nothing, son. Tricko nothing. You sleep with them. I'm sleeping with them. Yeah. No, All right. Was a All, right. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are there. Uh, Paul Brumla is around the I think he's outside right now. So go we'll get him. Go get him. Yes, it's it's the it's All right. the uh, okay. All right. All right, Carl. Be right back. Thank you. I will entertain the audience. So right now I'm gonna go to Paul's and message Paul. Paul Brumdahl. Time for countdown. Oh my compression system won't work on my phone this week. Time fo with the two F O. Ben, used to be a time when Verizon was couldn't text at the same time you were on the phone. You couldn't browse at the same time you were on the phone. Those days are over. Hey, Paul uh, Brumba. Okay, so I got Paul Brumba here in the in the Brumba Studios here. Me, he's in the wing here. Uh, Paul, good to have you here. Good to be here. I, I, I'm actually one of those people that can talk through a plastic bag and you can hear my voice. <laughs> yeah. You Thank are you talking dude. through a plastic bag right now? I am <coughs> naturally talking in my regular voice. <laughs> I am the talking Corona through bag. a plastic bag. Please, can you at least crack the seal on it so I can breathe a little bit, Mike? Uh, <laughs> oh, I should wipe down uh, everything. Hold on. Okay, so uh, ladies and gentlemen. dances uh, to the beat of a different drum. Uh, Paul Brumba, that is. Brumba. Yes, good to, good to hear your voice, Carl. We have the countdown uh, king himself, the uh, maestro you. of Nova Single Fashion. Will you please get up? Let's get ready to Brumba. Uh, as we say, the world now moves to the beat, beat of just one drum. We give it up for Paul Brumba. There you go. Woo! Yay! <laughs> All right, guys, you know the drill. Get that finger over that funny little triangle thing. I guess this is uh, right here. There we go. Let's do this thing in three, two, one, go. 
looks like Swapney is straight right ahead. Oh, look, there's the now, old 1970s Hollywood sign. Is it that's Hollywood? Right, that's Hollywood. <laughs> that's the old one, and it's a time in which nobody cared about it, like the government didn't care about it. Right, so and people were stealing shit from it. Right, and they're going to sell it at the Swapney, original Hollywood sign panel. Yeah, I have one at home. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have the original uh, opening night panel. Like Lisa. I think I bought it off of Lisa. Now, this guy in the back is so fat, even I laugh at him. Oh, well, he's 70s fat. Oh, it's Fay Ray. Now, this is Annie, and she is waking up at the swap meet. Carol really where they hold the swap meet, she and this is, this is not Bud Court. So Bud Court from Harold and Claude, or and Blob. Oh, and the Blob, that's right. But oh, wait, no, he's not Bud, this guy is from the Blob. Yeah, right, because where the Blob, the guy from Goodfellas is from, the good guy from Goodfellas, or that's the right. Danny Why? Goldman. Danny Goldman, Danny Goldman. Well, right now we're and watching the Sophia Richie Hamilton production. Yeah, this is Annie, and she makes money by being a prostitute. Now, I, I wonder if uh, Annie is going to play the Brad Pitt character from Harry Potter. Well, it's kind of an American. Maybe I... Oh, oh yes, no, Hollywood. In Hollywood. In Hollywood, yeah. Uh, Brad, Brad Pitt lives in the uh, drive-in as well from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just like uh, Annie. Oh, you mean the last movie by yeah, yeah, yeah. the one with the, the, the Manson not murder. Right, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So Brad Pitt, not Brad Pitt, it was the other guy. Uh, no, Brad Pitt lives in a trailer uh, behind a movie trailer of the drive-in. Gotcha. And I she forgot that part. Yeah. Because I remember he lived with um, uh, Mr. Famous, uh, the, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, he had his own place, too. He, he was like a bodyguard and stunt double. Swap me. Okay, so. Swap me. What we're seeing is the, um, the fat, fat and skinny were uh, making fun of our, um, our girl hero. Um, that's Nancy, and her name's not jumping out at me. Susan, Nancy and Susan. Okay. Now right. I had thought that a swap meet was only uh, car parties. Okay, but I was wrong about that. A swap meet is when you get together any little group of uh, like. Let's suppose you, you're into models. You love models and hotties and stuff like that. Well, you could have a swap meet that's all those things, right? But this is really a flea market. I'm not sure why they call it swap meet. It's just yeah. a flea market. Well, there's, there's record swap meets, right, where, like, guys swap their yeah. vinyl. 
and then uh, I guess the I get tr model trains and all that crap. Yeah, so this is not, this was like flea market. Flea market. Right. This this movie should be called Flea Market. Well, maybe uh, should be called National Lampoon's Flea Market. <laughs> that would work. Yeah. Right now, basically, they're complaining about the um, uh, the price to get in. You know, it's like a dollar fifty to get in, and they're like, "Let me give you a dollar." And fifty cents later, you know, they're having a big argument about it. Okay, the there's Annie and yeah. one of her dolls. Now, she's wearing the same outfit that she woke up in. Yeah. 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 She's kind of right. a little classy. A little classy. Now, in real life, she is, I don't know, is she low class? She was um, on, in um, Playboy, she posed naked for a lot of uh, magazines, Penthouse, Playboy, uh, and Wee Wee, do you remember Wee Wee? Wee Wee. Wee Wee. She's from Western Australia, she's from Perth, and she has a really cute accent, if I can demonstrate to you. She was in Used Cars in 1980, you and I love that film. I have seen that movie. I do like that movie. Uh, I think it is not Kurt Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell, right. Keep going and turns down. Right. He's looking well, for something. The joke out. here is like, can you lend me a dollar? And she's like, hey, you know where I bed? And that's his right. excuse to get into a bra. There. This must be the gypsy uh, tattoo queen. Right. <laughs> this is Delvina. She's Jewish. And she is a psychic, and she'll read your palm, et cetera, et cetera. So that's more of a calm woman. Devonina. Now, her only real claim to fame is uh, Bang the Drum Slogan. Which uh, is a baseball movie. 73. You probably hate that film. Yeah, I, I thought it was a war movie, and then it was like about baseball. That's right. It's about baseball. Bang the drum slowly makes me think of. Uh, okay, look. There is um, uh, King Didius. Oh, John Grice, Greece. Yes, John Grice. Get out of here. Go to the swamp. From Joystick, Yeah, he's yeah. We saw that movie. He's great. So this is seventies, John. The first one I was. It was one of the first ones I was a partner of your show on. Joysticks. Yeah. It was worth it, huh? That's a great movie. Yeah, it was good. It is a great movie. It almost is too good for your show. Well, I found uh, the director, great uh, Grayson Clark. He's a real oddity, Clark Grayson or whatever his name is. And he did a movie called Black Shampoo, which I can't find. But in 1983, he did Joysticks, a film with Joe Don Baker where he's on a hunt, and a film where Joe, bon uh, Joe Don Baker is in a horror spoof called Wacko instead of Psycho and uh, it's on YouTube and I think it's a, a group that does their own like uh, uh, video riffing as well but they have like a ton of collections. Next next week I'll, I'll find it and give the link. I was gonna yeah. I was going to have the movie for us but I think like this guy, these guys have already done it and they have a copy of the original movie so that's fantastic. Oh okay. Yeah. So it won't work for our show because 
I think I think they might have done it for the same purposes. So you know, but they have a copy of the movie of, uh, online. It's great. Oh, look at this. This is a real like flea market. Yeah, that's right. It really is a flea market. Uh, this is a place called um, in California, and it's called Torrance. Torrance, California. Yeah, and Torrance. I'm just assuming it's near LA because of the landscape and everything. You know, there's other parts of California that's LA. You know? Really? Yeah. Like San Francisco. There's San Francisco, and there's uh, Napa Valley, and Fresno, and Bakersfield, and uh, uh-huh. the rest. Oh. The Valley. A lot of 70s booze. And those are all parts of Los Angeles, right? Uh, they're adjacent. <laughs> okay, Rhea Perlman, we see her every now and again, and she's stealing things. That's her big aha joke. Now, Rhea Perlman of Cheers, right? The saucy waitress? Rhea Perlman for Cheers, the saucy waitress, exactly. She's also from Beethoven's Big Break in that in two thousand and eight. Beethoven's Fifth. They finally got it right for the fifth time. That's a good uh-huh. one. Because Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah. Uh oh, psychedelic. What was the original Beethoven? It was called Beethoven. Oh, it was uh, it was called Amadeus, and it had no dogs whatsoever in it. Don't recommend Amadeus. it. Amadeus. And then, uh, so I'm just wondering if if Beethoven's Fifth was the real Beethoven's Fifth. If Beethoven was that a serious problem, and uh, I don't know that how we could have moved through five. Now you're talking. You're you're one. not referring to the the legendary composer. You're talking about the act dog actor Be- uh, Beethoven movie. Exactly. Who had a terrible I, drinking problem? Absolutely. And right. It, yeah, and it was really now, difficult to work with. Book talked to me about it before. It's called Hollywood Dogs That Drink. Hollywood Dogs That Beethoven Drink. And Fifth was prominently featured. Well, yeah. Well, he was just obnoxious. You know, you know. remember in Beethoven, the scene where uh, uh, sh- he shakes his wet um, dog body on, on Charles Grodin's bed? Grodin, yeah. Completely improvised. He was just drunk oh, and pissed off yeah. at her. Yeah. Wasn't even in the script. Yeah, I That's hear that Grodin and him did not get along. Did not. They did not talk to each other. Uh, during it, they did a table read. It was super awkward. You know, because one's uh, introverted, and the other is a dog. So it's it was just tough. A drunk dog. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, you said that like Beethoven would be a rowdy drunk, and he would come up to you and smack your beer out of your hand, kiss your wife, stuff like that. Yeah, you know what he would say to you. Ba 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 ba! Beethoven's <laughs> bitch. I'm Beethoven's bitch. What you I gonna do, bro? <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we're missing so much, and I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. Well, this so it, is it's Carl. Can I ask you? Is I know you've seen this movie at least three times. Well, so this this time this is my third. I'm a little slower than usual. Okay. Well, there's no plot to this movie, right? It just it there is. It, there oh, is there a plot. Is. The first time I watched it, I remember you telling me there's no plot, but there is. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at the, they didn't even moon the guy. They just pantomime yeah. pants going down. That's right. They didn't really moon. Mind. Okay, so that guy is like a bad guy. Now, we saw the red car. That's their leader, John Greer. He's borrowing it right. from his father, but he's lying to everybody that it's his car. 
and the the guy we saw the heavy he's like a rich guy and he's a jerk he died so they want to get him back and they smear an ice cream on his coffin so he's gonna go to fat and skinny and tell them look fuck up that t-bird for me not too bad but just fuck it up and here i'll give you money you work for my father anyway. Look, you can see the boom mic. Did you see it? No, that. Oh yes, it's to the right there. All right, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was. It. It blends in with something that I missed that. Good call, man. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing more thrilling to go to the theater and watch a giant parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you're there. Well, I mean, now it's like, whoa, look at that. They're touching their faces. They're touching shit off the tables. Wow, there must be hundreds of people there. That's the way you think. All shit. Listen, the TV, by the way, audience, yes. I don't know when you're listening to this, but coronavirus is fresh and new. And it's, what is it? Maybe it's the third, the second, the second week has been serious. Right? Well, it's it's March down. it's March fifteenth, yeah, it's in March, and uh, okay. it's this uh, virus had started in January, uh, uh, getting noticed in America at least, start of the year. Well, I mean, yes, in January, and I remember all the open mics I went to. They were making jokes about Corona beer and get the virus, like start uh, leaving, you know, your pickup truck on your front lawn and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's only been about two weeks now, and you're, the TV is like, be afraid. Be very afraid. Well, I know uh, Mutiny Radio is a community radio station. We are international. We are stream, and our shows are available as podcasts. But we also have a community space, and we are part of San Francisco. And it's community. We started off as a pirate radio station during the, the Iraq war. Uh, it uh -huh. was used, which counts as community work. So we're, we're, we are here for the community, and uh, I know that they're still doing live shows here, but uh, that's awesome. Oh, you know what I want to do, uh, Carl, is the Mike Spiegelman Open Mic Challenge. Uh -uh. I'm going to go okay. on Facebook, and I'll say, if you do not perform at a – if you accept my challenge and not perform at an open mic tonight, I will donate $5. To what? I don't know. Well, to the food bank would be probably the right answer. But I was going to say Mutiny Radio. No, to Mutiny Radio. Well, Mutiny Radio has got to stop doing shows. They can't encourage people to Them come. Them too. So, uh, well, the Mike's Speedwoman's Challenge is do not go to an open mic. Okay. So, uh, you know. All right. It would be nice if. Well, uh, America, I recommend you be irresponsible. I recommend that everyone <laughs> else be in responsibility. You be the one guy who goes out and is cool. They're all home. Don't be that guy. I'm <laughs> Gallon, not Goofus. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. He's, she's rubbing him down with Crisco, huh? Yeah, she's making mistakes. Annie's doing, I'm an heiress, you know. <laughs> I like her. She's from Australia, like I mentioned before. She's Let's got a great voice. accent. Hang on. Here we go. Thank you. Did we? I missed it. Who oh. might? Now he looks very famous to me, but the, I can't find him credited anywhere. He does look like Joe Don Baker. Yeah. 
having sex with a zombie. That's Try how she makes pizza. money. Very good. Yeah, my name is Trico. Trico Knuckle. Trico Knuckle. Brady, I'm a little bit earlier than I thought, so I want to watch some more of the film. I can wait. Oh, God, no. Come on in. Is she supposed to be like little or little uh, Annie Fanny? Do you remember that from Playboy magazine and comic strips? Oh, sort of, sort of. It's the creators of Matt. It's Harvey Fine, uh, Harvey Kurtzman and Will Elder uh, doing the strips, and they've done it for decades. Uh, and it's kind of like she's kind of a young pansy. She's a pan, you know, like the like pansy type. Oh, there goes right. the bug. And she yeah, gets into a little adventure. And I love Harvey Kurtzman, and I love Will Elder, so I'll read them when I can, but yeah, they're very different style, but they're, I don't know if they were kind of I should ask. I have Carl in the studio, the director of Flop Meat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Tony Flop. Tony, good to have no, you here. No, no, it's Bryce Mac. Bryce Mac, and then we have four directing credits for this movie. Oh my God! Hey, sit down, sit down, please. I'm sorry, I got your name wrong. I know we got the end. No, right. come on, please, 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 someone. Uh, yeah, here, have a seat. Uh, as you know, we have 16 people here in the studio, and we have a full studio audience tonight. So here, have a. So, uh, what made you uh, decide to? Uh, he left. Sorry, Carl. That bit went nowhere. Oh, that's sad. He walked out of the room. What decade are these guys from? There's one guy with the overalls, and the other guy looks like he's from the John Cryer band. Let's dance in the disco. So basically, he's like on his fifth or sixth trip to Israel. Oh, so he's crawling around in his room. Well, he dropped something going to fish it out, uh, pick it up. Oh, I know. He was walking around the floor like that. Ah, ah, ah. Now he's back. Got it. Now he's back for three more pictures for Jewel. And fat and skinny just can't believe it. Now, he, one of them is Susan. I don't remember the name. So they swap meet all day. There's Susan and Nancy. And Nancy, you know her face. She's been on every television show in the 70s. Not, you know, only one. Like, she was in the Waltons, and she was in Matlock, and she was on an episode of every TV show, but just one. You know, I remember her, actually, in the Waltons. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, she, she was on the Getting Coffee with John Boy. She's like, I got a uh, latte for John Boy. John yeah, Boy latte. Great. They wouldn't do lattes in the 70s. Oh, right. No, they had cappuccino. I have a cappuccino. So, so I have here, yeah, it's fat and skinny in their van waiting for the T-Birds. Now, why do they have to wait for them? I don't know, but they do on purpose to have an accident. Oh, they want to wreck the T-Birds? So they wait for the guys to get in? Right. Why not just wreck it? Well, they don't want to wreck it all, all the way, but just enough to... Get the story. Okay, here it comes. And boom! Got truck. You jerk! 
Deep Trust guest. Her right there. She's been in every TV show ever made in the 70s. Yeah, she's seen in Plato's Prime. This That's is why you know those face. Well, thanks to this R-rated movie, you get to see more of her sister face. <laughs> so Fat and Skinny are having their typical fight. And we're brothers. Drunk Buddha. Yeah, that is right, Drunk Buddha. I had hair like that back in the 70s. Like Drunk Buddha. You have hair like that now. <laughs> Don't you? It's not as dense. Look at look how dense that Jufro is. It's like yeah, life yeah, doesn't go true. through that. Those yeah. tight curls that are infinite curls. Now, he, he started this year, 79, the second film. He was Hall Monitor, the evil Hall Monitor, Chris Hemsel. In the cult classic, Rock and Roll High School, The Ramones. He, I totally know him, too. <laughs> he was also up, busted, Damn. the top bar. He was also Roy on the Facts of Life for five seasons. Wait, Roy. Roy. He was a male guy in Facts for Life. Well, he didn't deliver the mail. Well, I mean... They had George Clooney, right? He was on the show. And they had, I think, the principal in the first season. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it's Mrs. It's Mrs. Garrett and the girls. There was no boys in that, in that regular guys. Well, he played a guy named Roy for five seasons. Now, I never really watched that show seriously. I don't know. But I liked him because in 96, he was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, all right. Thank God. Yeah. He, he was also in that movie, uh, Set Machine, I guess. Look at this tr this garage he has. How fucking cool is that? He's Who got has? It's, this is Danny DeVito's garage. Well, look, Danny DeVito has artwork on the outside. It's, it's a terrible thing with this wonderful car. How like old is Danny DeVito? How much will it be? He's in his 60s <laughs> today. Right. Well, I laughed because I thought it was the age back. So in the 70s, he was doing uh, Going South. and I Right know now, he's like in his 20s right 20s. here. So Taxi started in the in the 70s, right? So this is 79? Yes, Taxi started in the 70s. Now, Leah Perlman met him before uh, any fame, by the way. Uh, so you know what I mean? Like when somebody's like a, a midget or something. He's not a midget. Excuse me. I'm sorry for you, you probably will even object to that term. But if you're, like, in Game of Thrones, then all of a sudden all the girls want to see you. No, no, no. Leah Perlman was, <laughs> his, was his girlfriend before his fame. Right. And they were together for a long time. I mean, he would, you know, when he started directing, he put her in uh, the TV set. I don't know. What was his name? He had a, uh, he directed a movie. I never saw it on HBO and then Showtime about a parody of television. I like him as a director. You know, War of the Roses is a fucking great movie. You know, he's done some funny movies. They married in 82. He has done great movies, but yeah. I mean, it's almost like a different Danny DeVito, the Danny DeVito of the 70s. He yeah. was a B-movie person, and he was a guy. This he is a far work. cry from Joe Monaghan staying his thing. Those uh, days were to come. What about like a... Uh, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, okay. 
so that's a good example. <coughs> that was the time. It wasn't a B movie, but it was an ensemble picture. He was he was a not a bit player, but he didn't really have much lines. He was just one of the cuckoos, right? Yeah. In the nest. Danny that DeVito he... became a big star, okay, but but not at this time, you know. Right. Well, he's one of those enduring stars because he's kind of been in kind of generational landmark show television shows, right? Yeah. It's always sunny mm-hmm. in, in Philadelphia and Taxi are two different fucking shows and two different like moves of of television. It feels like. Yeah. You know? Yep. And uh, plus, all those films where he was a Hollywood big star director and he directed all these like big name stars and then get shorty he played like a blowhard hollywood guy you know he's always been in the industry and Mm -hmm. uh i know he has his own liquor which i guess has something to do when you have that much money with that sort of stuff yeah right uh best thing about danny devito is he was born in neptune new jersey he grew (laughs) up in new jersey oh and it shows yeah god bless now uh leah perlman grew up in like Brooklyn, Coney Island, Brooklyn, but uh, it's close enough. Uh, what was the last thing you saw Rhea Perlman in? Fuck. Um, I saw her last as the shoplifting mother in SWAT movie. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All right, fair enough. The last thing I saw her in, I don't know, but in 2008, she was in Beethoven's Big Break. Is that what it was uh, called? Was, yeah, and I think it's like the seventh or eighth one. But she was also on episode of Wilfred. I saw her in Hung. She was a cooler than me mom. She says she won't, even though her and Danny DeVito aren't exactly friendly, they'll never divorce her. They have their children together. They have huh. their houses together. So th- I thought they had divorced, but they <coughs> will never divorce. She says she will never divorce Danny DeVito. Um, see, do I have it written down somewhere? Kevin Grogal. In 1992, she did a made-for-TV movie, To Grandmother's House We Go, opposite Ashley and Mary Kay Olsen, playing the wife of Jerry Van Dyke's character. The couple kidnaps the Olsons, hoping they cash in on Ransom before Christmas. Yeah, I think nudity, nudity. Yes, and it's Annie again, doing her. Hi, guys. We just saved like three dollars and twenty-five cents on the topic. <laughs> now she really likes Bud Cork, but not Bud Cork. But Bud Cork doesn't. Okay, here's Leah Perlman with her brat kid. Oh, how cool and is that? Let's listen. They're selling turtles. I had that I T-shirt as a kid. Darth Vader? No, it's like, I, I guess so. This 70s kind of. I had those teeth as a kid. Me too, and that hair. And I used to yell at swamp music. I'd be like, I don't care. My mom's Peter Brittle is much better than yours. Fuck. My mom's Rhea Perlman. Now I, 
Now I gotta look at babysitter. My mom's reaffirming. We go out here so I can look at future babysitter. Possible babysitter. <laughs> okay, now we're getting what is every teenage sex comedy movie. Okay. He Dumbness. is here in we the go. makeshift Ready? dressing room. Hey, buddy, why don't you just skateboard your white clothes over there and pull it? Oh, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Make other people feel terrible and embarrassed. John Greer, John Greer. Okay. Now, he was Napoleon Dynamite's uh, uncle. Yes, yes, the man is great, too. He's like a Danny DeVito. He's in two different comedic milieus. Three. Yeah. Mali. Epochs. Eras. Um, he was in Lost as uh, Roger Liner. And funny, he plays the father of a guy who in real life is three years older than him. Oh, was he in Flashbacks or Flash Forwards or was he on the island? I never watched Lost because you have to see it from the start. Right. I have seen it. I've seen it from the start. I waited a couple of years and then I said, screw it. I watched it all on cable. Then mm-hmm. I watched the rest on video. Then I watched the rest on TV. And uh, there's a guy named Christian Shepherd. So it's a very religious. Okay. So and then he says, "Follow me," and they they follow the Christian Shepherd, and uh, they go to heaven. Cool. Uh-huh. They say to the Jewish character, "Aren't you coming?" Nah, I'm gonna hang out here. <laughs> it's like now, I've never yeah. seen Lost, but I've been Lost Water. Oh yeah, and that is a great one, and that to me is exciting to watch myself. Live in your life. So fat and skinny are just being jerks. Yeah, they're screwing up Booby McGoob's uh, swap meet thing. Now you see her face. Yes. Isn't it? Does she look? Fa- oh, all oh, the turtles with their real live turtles. Oh, they knocked down the table. Oh, oh shots fired. So Sometimes they're pulling out their phones. So fat. They're terrible. You call them Okay, fat? this is a very famous actor named Mark Lawrence. He always plays the mobster. Um, underworld types, you know? Right. Now, his daughter is named Tony Lawrence, uh, and she was married to Billy Bob Thornton. The ex-father-in-law of Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, so this guy is You know his hard. face, right? Billy Bob Thornton's face? Nah, his name is Mark Lawrence. Mark the guy Lawrence. on the left there. Let's, let me see if we can pick up any audio. No. Yeah, I've seen him around. Hey, buddy. Right, Get out of here. Kind of in charge of the swap meet and we don't the guy who's not Bud Quartz is secretly his son oh he doesn't let the other swap meeters know this guy's decking her out hi Annie Annie over here Annie it's me Mike Annie come get my gun You went with that instead of the sun will come out? 
<laughs> yeah, what was that? That would have been funny to send out somebody. Okay, listen, this Mark Lawrence, the gangster guy, he was in Star Trek Next Generation, and he was in uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, so he's my Star Trek hero. Wow, he was in both. Same character or probably different no, different, different characters. Space I mean, it's well, it's ten years difference, uh, so you wouldn't have remembered. Okay, there's Annie trying to come on to Sid's team. She's like, you know, you're so handsome. You're much hand more handsome than Bud Cork. <laughs> For the last time, I'm not Bud Cork. And and uh, Biggie is just not falling for it, you know. Even though, like, he's always aloof and playing it cool. Now look, watch. Annie will try to be sexy. Look, I'm so sexy. And Bud Court, not Bud Court, will fall for it. See? Gotcha. Now, not Bud Court was um, the guy in Young Frankenstein in the opening scene. Isn't your grandfather's work? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'll have to receive that one. Oh, about that. Mean, so the metal school student. Do you remember when he took a scalpel and he stabbed his father yeah. by mistake? Oh, that was him. Father's work was Judy. Sir, the, I've been looking at I mean, your actor's resume, and you seem to have some great uh, acting uh, work. Well, thank you. I was in Mel Brook, uh, Brooks's uh, Young Frankenstein. Yes, yes, and also Tony Anderson's Swap Me. Total, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, yes, sir, but I know. I'd rather talk about Mel Brooks's. Now, when you were in Swap Me, uh, was that now during the actual Mack, hours? What's that? Bryce Mack is the director. Bryce Mack. Bright Mack. Well, yeah. Bryce, Bright. He's a bright guy named Mack. <laughs> B-R-I-C-E. You ever blow into a condom? It shit smells. I never have. Yeah. Well, it, it helps if it's a clean condom. Oh, oh, oh. That's the difference. Yes. Now, uh, not Bud Court was also in MASH. Really? Wasn't real Bud Court also in MASH? Uh, I don't think so. It was Captain Murhart in MASH, 1970. Uh, he was in Where the Buffalo Roam, 1980. A lot of people don't know that, but it was a Bill Murray movie that I yes. love. I've seen it. And it's it a, it's a Peter Boyle movie. Peter Boyle movie that I love. Yeah, Peter Boyle was, Peter Boyle uh, was great in that. Yeah, he was the best part in that movie. The lawyer. And uh, we're talking about um, what's his what's the author's name? Wrote for Rolling Stone, lost his way. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas guy. Right, his name is uh, Beverly Cleary. Right. No, we are thinking of, I'm thinking of Anne Rice. Daniel Still Hunter S. Thompson. Thompson, Hunter Yay. S. Thompson. Right, thank you. Um, Danny Goldman was also in Beware the Bob, which we watched, and Linda Lovelace for President with real Linda Lovelace. Which we watched. Seventy-five. Yeah. Well, but he's most what is he most famous for? But he's the biggest thing in his career. An eight eight-year run. He was the voice of Brains Purse in Hanna Barbera's Wait a minute. Why did you tell me beforehand? I would have uh, totally who? Who? Uh, uh, Jufro or old man? Uh, um, no, it, it's um, not not uh, Bud Court. 
was oh, the not voice by of court. Rainey's Pain. Yeah, yeah. And not by court is this guy right here, right? No, this guy is Buddha. Is that two well, is driving me crazy? I can't focus on anything else. That is Buddha. Yes. And but not Bud Kurt wasn't even in that scene. But uh, Mark Lawrence was also in The Man with the Golden Gun. Um, oh, check this out. That guy, the uh, the former father-in-law of Billy Bob Thornton. Just check this out. Okay. He was really literally friends with the legendary mob boy, mob boss Lucky Luciano. Huh. And he would visit him in Italy, you know, because he got deported when he was when he got out of prison for prostitution. But whenever Lawrence would go see him, Lucky would always ask him, talk in, you know, exaggerated lyric accent. Uh-huh. Because Luciano missed New York, and New oh, Yorkers, dude. hearing his accent would feel great. So, um, Mark Lawrence was in front of the Un-American Activities Committee, and like a pussy, he caved, and he gave away names? all these he fun. named names. Boo! I wouldn't. I would yeah, big swap me if things. I know there was a, a trade scab. <laughs> That's right. Turncoat. A lot of good okay, socialist now, brothers who write movie screenplays lost jobs because of this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I would throw shit off a truck now. Really, a worthy cause. So this is just you know like we say there's no plot but there is and lots of it has to do with the rivalry between the gang and Fat and Skinny. Now can you uh? So wait, watch what happens. All right, we're gonna jump. Oh no, no not the T-bird. My '70s truck, my empties. Look I at littered, that litter. I littered. Total '70s littering right there. Oh, they totaled the T-bird yeah. and we didn't get to see it. The cheap bastards. That's right. Well, you saw them swinging out of there. That doesn't <laughs> count. I need to see a fucking T-bird, whether it's stock footage or not, crash down a hill. Right. Now, I just now, just this afternoon, finished The Cutest Waterman. You did? Which totally did that. Totally. He's, he's supposed to go into the toilet, well up all this water, and make a huge explosion. And we just totally tricked, tricked, tricked it. Great. Well, that's what I want to see. That's the money shot. That's where my money's that I want to pay to see. Now, look, after their accident, what do they do? They go, go to, to a bar. Yeah, I know. They smell like fish. He literally pulled a fish out of his shirt. Yeah. I would not serve that table. Table seven is yours, Carl. I'm not going near there. That guy's <laughs> looking like a marine. They're not going to tip. Hi, table and, seven. Uh, my name is Mike. Oh, so she works at the bar? No. She's wearing her SWAT meet clothes. Oh, I guess they all are on film. Well, I mean, uh, Susan's wearing very uh, gingham-y looking. I don't know. I, Nancy's really just got her boobs out, right? She's got yeah. to kind of straighten her boobs, ex- accentuate her boobs. Uh, Deborah Richard is Susan, and she's just lots of Okay, uh-huh. but They're most all in the, the second wife of this police officer Andy Venko on Kill Sweet Sue. And yeah. yeah. You know what that van was missing? Crappy jeans. <laughs> or Scooby Dub. 
so it was all about Hill Street Blues. Her and her uh, husband were always on Hill, Hill Street, Street Blues. blues. Uh, Hill yeah. Street Blues. It's time for Hill Street Blues. I love <laughs> the theme song. Be careful out there. Be careful out there. You're okay, watching. So I, I want to do a new uh, segment to our show called uh-huh. Shout Out to a Listener. And I've chosen this week's shout out to Jill Duncan. Shout out Jill to Gil Duncan, Duncan is a listener, and she truly appreciates Hollywood Dogs with Wings. So keep listening. Jill, Jill. She wished us yes. good health with coronavirus. She wished us good health. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Jill. Yes. And uh, everyone, of course, be safe. And uh, Mutiny Radio is available anywhere you are. So when you're home, you could listen to Mutiny Radio. We uh, do have a Venmo donation account at Mutiny Radio. Donate some money, but check out. We have a huge archive. As you know, Carl and I did. Carl flew over here for the uh, fifth annual yeah. Radio Comedy Festival, and there's over 40 shows available right now if you go to mutinyradio.fm. That is darkcollective.org, and we have a huge list of um, shows to download and listen to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, check it out. And, um, it was a fun time. Yes, a great content. Uh, we're going to actually uh, play festival. some. There was two shows that were not part of uh, our feed, and we're going to play them later, probably in April. Uh, so we have some special new shows that uh, for the live audience and comedians, and uh, you'll get to hear it. So, uh, uh, but probably next month. Probably next month. Okay, so now they go to Davina, and they're like, Davina, you're a psychic. Tell us where our bad guy's car is. Because we're not jerks who are going to screw up his car, but what we will do is kidnap it and tell him, you fix the T-Bird back to the way it used to be, and we'll give you your car back. That T-Bird is wrecked. Uh, I mean, you must yeah. be like sun at the yeah. swat and been on your head for several hours and just feel like shit. Uh, oh, there's Danny now look, playing, playing the Right. That's the big joke. He's sensitive. Oh, he was an organ grinder. Likes the sound of some natural music. Now, look, Rhea Perlman went to see this play uh, called The Prince Bride um, in 71. And it featured DeVito, and she just loved him. He played the silly little man. He played the little guy on the cake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's very good. The Prince and Bride, he was already drunk. Yeah, right. Born drunk. Uh, She discovered him in the fifth act. Two weeks after meeting, they moved in together, and they were married in 82. So you're saying that they hate kids. each other, or they don't – they're separated, basically. They're never going to I have divorced. no idea. I would not call us hating each other because I just don't know that. I just know that they were married and a unit together for 20-something years, right. and nowadays today – like she says she'll never divorce them. But they're not. See, I thought like I thought they divorced like maybe seven years ago or something. So I, I well, don't let know. Let me look it up. Because I've always I love his fucking gallery of his these homemade pictures of Einstein outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's Danny classic. DeVito divorced. Uh, Rhea Perlman says she'll never divorce. Wow. That's Danny DeVito. Even what after for? We do this separately. We see each other a lot, too. You know what it is? She said, listen, we made swap meet together, so we could survive anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
made Ma- uh, Matilda. So that means he Matilda. Yeah, and that became a Broadway musical smash, and he probably made more money off of that than any of this shit. You know, like, uh, it's a good movie. He's a good director. In, he uh, has this kind fact, of like Perlman, He is a good director, absolutely. Uh, it says, in fact, Perlman said her relationship with the Dumbo actor is better than it was for the last five years. Now that they live separately, they live apart and see each other a lot. He was in Dumbo, right? That's what she said? Because I saw that. I guess so. Timothy, uh, Tim- Timothy Burton. Yeah, right, because it was Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito from Batman Returns as the same uh-huh. director, and this time they were in Dumbo. You know what I like? I like Disney movies that they remake old Disney stuff, like Dumbo or uh, Christopher Robin, Disney Christopher Robin. Right. And they have the British, and there's a scene where they're World War One vets. They usually do the flashbacks during the opening credits, and they'll have like a very stylized them in the trenches and fighting, and you know, then they come home. And I know like Colin Farrell like lost an arm, and he's now part of Dumbo's role, but it's like that war was terrible. You know, you can sugarcoat yeah. anything in a Disney movie, but the opening yeah. credits, you know, show some respect. I mean, it's not like, oh, there's one moment he was in the trenches, and then he's now he's back. You know? Yeah, everything's nice. Yeah. That mo- that war was, you're right, it was just horrific. It was the worst ever, and everyone was shell-shocked. And this is, that, we renamed it World War One. I. I think right. we know we renamed it. It was it was called The Great War or The War to End All Wars. The War to End but All Wars. But we renamed it World War One when we won. Well, you know. Such a braggy nation. Right. Well, no, they looked at Saturday's Returns, and they said, do you look at this box office? we got to make a sequel. <laughs> Greenlight it. Yeah, right. Greenlight a sequel. That was the World War we won, so we called it World War One. Right. I would have called World War Two like World War One again. Well, the camp, We're the, killing it. The promotion was fantastic. Posters everywhere, coming soon, WW2. It's like, what's WW2? Is that like a Fast and the Furious sequel? Yeah. Coming soon, WW2. <laughs> Lots of plot twists. We're bringing characters back. We're bringing it right. We're, we're going to recreate some moments. We're going to open the field a bit. I guess Hitler was a bit player in WW1. Right. He was part of the prequel. Yeah. WW2. He was only there in World War One instead of two. So the, now yeah. they have stolen his car. So the guy comes to pick up his car and he goes, I'm going to do a great job on your car. Soon as I find it. And he's like, what? Now, there's a ransom note. The ransom note? Well, this car's right there, right behind him, right? No, it's a different... No, that's the Caesar. Oh, I see. Now, would you recommend this... Remember they were sharing the ice cream on his windshield? Right, that fucking movie. Now, I'm not going to ask you whether or not recommend this movie but would you re- if you i was a danny devito completist i would have to right. you would recommend swap me on that alone no 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 no, no you wouldn't it's not essential no, well, viewing. danny devito's part in this is not anything good it's he does oh you know what's really funny he says i will send this car they will make a part for it special i will send it to neptune new jersey and so i was like yeah that's great referencing where he grew up. He said Neptune, New Jersey? Yeah. 
know, that means you made it in Hollywood if you were able to outlive your hometown. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, now this is the car uh, that they stole. And now they're, there's a surprise. They're at Buddha's family farm or something. And there's all these kids that are part of – oh, we got one. Not only uh, is Greer a, was, yeah. uh, he was also an astronaut farmer. He was in the Rundown. He was in Get Shorty. So he must have been a grown-up, like an older man in Hollywood, right? In, uh, yeah, in this rundown, was his second like movie ever. Yeah. Video, video, was his first character ever. Uh, Joseph, Joseph was his first movie. Really? I thought he was like oh. I thought he was like a seven. Well, he's in this seven movies. Oh yeah, of course he was. So no, this Joseph can't be. No, he was in. This I guess movie maybe before. that's his first movie of note. Yeah, I mean maybe like. Well, he got credits. I love how this. Now, movie he did. Go ahead, Carl. He did two years on the TV show Martin. Uh, Martin. Sean McDermott is the name of the character. I love this film called Ed and the Dead Mother. Oh, yeah. That was Steve Buscemi, right? Right. Steve Buscemi. Now, I don't – he might have been the sales – you remember that slick salesperson who kept selling uh, Steve Buscemi life? Oh, and I, I never saw the movie. I know it's on like YouTube. Like the junk – oh, you didn't see it. No, oh, yeah, it's yeah, on yeah. YouTube, Carl. Okay. I won't ruin it for you because you should see it. It's fun. The only other fun thing about him, he was in uh, an Alice in Chains video. That Brewster, do you know that song? One, how many? I do not know. I know a couple Alice in Chains songs. Um. The Rooster is one of their huge, huge songs. The Rooster, the Rooster it's goes like this. Oh, you really don't know it? Once there was a Rooster. Yeah, I love all that grunge shit. Once there was a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> Parents made him called cold. Is that the uh, the, uh, the no? The rooster's a very famous Alison Chains song. It's uh <laughs> okay. Listen, listen, listen. I know uh, you know. It goes, "Hey, <laughs> here comes the rooster. No, he's made gonna die." You don't know it. Well. I mean, if you tell me there's a rooster, I'm going to be like, what's his mortality rate right now? Is he going to die? <laughs> no, second verse. No, he's not going to die. Relax. Let me get a kick No, he ain't going to die. That's because we eat chicken, motherfucker. No. I need a rooster. Wake me up. Wow, this movie has it all. I was going to say, like, not only did we pay good money to go to a drive-in to see a movie about a drive-in, we also yeah. get to see a swamp meet and a fucking petting zoo. And check it right. out, these teenagers are petting each other at the zoo, yeah. too. And the They're kids are watching them. They're literally rolling in the head. They are literally rolling in the head. Now, the director farmer. of this movie started as a background singer for Disney. In the 40s and 50s, he did, um, he did Peter Pan. He did Lady and the Tramp. He did Alice in Wonderland. And then for Disney, Disney he started to write. 
like um, yeah. with Tarantino, he did some quality films, and he wrote for some quality films, but on his own as a director, he did the live-action horror film Jennifer, but he wasn't live-action. What do, you, what do you mean Jennifer? The, like, every, the, the demonic the possession ni- of Jennifer. Yeah, 1978, live-action horror film Jennifer, and it was written by the same guy who wrote this movie. He did Rooster, coincidentally, called Rooster the Bird of Death, 83. <laughs> Cockatoodle Death. Yeah. He did Half a House in 79. He did four movies. Four, he directed four movies, and they were all terrible. You know you know who did the second half of House? It was Dexter Fletcher who directed that. Dexter. He was the one who directed uh, Bohemian Rhapsody when they kicked the director up, the original director up. Oh, oh. So you said he directed a movie called Half a House, and I said Dexter Fletcher directed the rest of it. Uh, see, Pam. Thank you, Pam. I don't know if you could hear it through my plastic bag over the microphone, but I got Pam on that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, he's the father of an Academy Award-winning visual effects supervisor, Tony 